week, and we're done with Psalm 119. You say, well, Pastor, what are we going to do when we're done with Psalm 119? That's a great question. If you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> Psalm 119. This is uh, showing us peace in spite of persecution. It's the last time in the psalm that we see uh, persecution mentioned. This is kind of the moment of victory for the psalmist. If you remember, pretty much every section that we've been in in this Psalm 119 has talked about persecution. A lot of it has. And uh, this is that, that moment of victory, the moment the heart changes, the moment the, the focus changes uh, here for the psalmist. So look in verse 161. It says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause. But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Remember the focus of Psalm 119 is God's word. And so he says, the princes, they've, they've persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, uh, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. And I, excuse me, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Lord, help us as we look at this section of Psalm 119 today. May it encourage us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We start out, we're going to look at uh, six quick things here in these uh, few verses. Number one, we see a persecuted person. As it says there, and again in verse 161, they've persecuted him without a cause. So there's not a good reason, right? There's not a righteous reason for them to have persecuted him. But he says there at the end of verse 161, But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. When you're feeling persecuted, you have a choice of awes, all right? A choice of awes. One is the persecutor. You can stand in awe of the persecutor. They're tough, they're mean, they're uh, wicked, they're um, unrighteous, they're all these different things. You can stand in awe of them, or you can stand in awe of God's Word. And we've talked about this throughout the psalm and in other places as well, but God's Word promises protection, provision, hope, um, uh, care, compassion, all these things God's Word promises for those who love the Lord and, and do His Word. And so when you stand in awe of God's Word, it is the understanding of what God's Word is, what God's Word says, and what God's Word does. And we see here that He chose to stand in awe of God's Word versus standing in awe of the princes who persecute Him. Number two, we see the praising person. In verse 162, we see kind of what he discovered. He says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. And we've seen it described this way before as well, but we see that he values God's word. The, the value that he placed on God's word and what God had said, therefore brings him great joy. He rejoices in God's word as one that findeth great spoil. We don't go treasure hunting like they did back in the day, but it's the idea of discovering the treasure, how much joy you would have. You ever seen a 
cartoon or a movie or a TV show where they discover a, a treasure and they open it up and there's all these shiny coins and they run their hands through it like uh, 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 the, the duck, uh, um, you know, I'm talking duck tails. And he's throwing the coins up in the air and he's swimming through the money and all these kind of things. He's rejoicing over finding this great treasure. And here the psalmist says, my joy is in God's word the same as much as someone who finds joy in finding great spoil or great treasure. Uh, I saw this example given. How would you respond if you got a Bible as a present? Uh, how would you value that? You know, there are times you open up a present on your birthday or Christmas, and have you ever opened up a present that didn't bring you great joy? One where you open it up and you go, oh, thanks. You've seen the video of the uh, folks over uh, in, in Asia, different places, uh, receiving Bibles, and they open up the, the box or they open up a suitcase and it's just full of Bibles, and they're just screaming and reaching for one and passing them back, and everybody's ecstatic about it. In America, we've become so dull to the great value the Bible holds. And the reality is, as God's Word is a treasure, we should value it. And so the psalmist here, he does value it, and therefore he's a praising person. But not only did he discover how valuable God's Word is, he also tells us what he hated in verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Lying here is in reference to false religion, falsehood around religion. So he's, he's saying, I hate lying. He's not, not to say that the God obviously hates all lying, but the psalmist here is referring to the lying about religion, and, and that falsehood in religion. Um, do you believe in absolute truth? God's Word is absolute truth. There's nothing in it that's false. It's funny, I, it's, I love talking about absolute truth because in college I gave one of my tutors the hardest time playing devil's advocate about absolute truth. Oh man, I probably should email her and apologize. Um, we... Uh, I knew it was messing with her head, so I just went round and round with her, and it was really mean. But uh, she thought I was the worst person in the world. But anyways, um, God's Word is absolute truth. You know, there's a lot of times with false religions, because we're trying not to be mean, we try to find the positives in them. So if we're talking with someone who believes something that's not right, that's not biblical, sometimes we're trying to not hurt their feelings, and so we're kind of like, well, you know, it's not all bad that they do this and whatever, you know, kind of a thing. But the reality is, is there's either truth or there's lies. And we have to be careful if it's a lie, then it's a lie. It's just plain and simple. And so we present truth. And here the psalmist says, and it's given to us by inspiration of God, he says, he says I abhor and I hate lying, but your word, which is pure truth, do I love. I love truth. So it's a praising person. And what did he do with all that? Verse 164, he says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. What does he mean here? It's continual praise. Seven times. It's, it's, it's meaning continual praise. How many times do you praise God? Every meal? Lord, thank you for this meal, for this food. All right, so that's one, two, or three times a day, depending on how often you're eating a meal. How often do you praise God? The standard is probably three times a day, minimum, right? 
the, the psalmist here says seven times or continually, I'm praising the Lord. Now think about that. How often do you praise God? A praising person. Number three, we see a peaceful person. Verse 165, he says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, the idea of offend here is to make stumble. Uh, so nothing in God's word will cause you to stumble. Great peace have they which love thy law. It's a wonderful thing to love God's word. It goes back to the value of God's word, but uh, loving God's word would also be following God's word, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, he's, he was asked by a disciple on the beach, Christ was, and he says, feed my sheep. It, it all falls into the same categories. It is, it is presenting truth, it is following truth, it is loving truth. And when you love the Word of God, when you love the words of God, uh, then nothing will offend you, nothing will cause you to stumble. Uh, it, it becomes very peaceful because of what God's Word can provide. In the, the most chaotic moments in life, God's Word can bring peace. Uh, it's as the psalm tells us, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. It is a calming guidance of God. And you get it through His Word. Number four, we see the patient person, verse 166. Lord, I have hoped for Thy loving salvation. Uh, excuse me, I have hoped for Thy salvation and done Thy commandments. Um, the patient person is patiently obedient. When we, uh, when we have to obey without knowing the end result. Um, my kids got smart to this pretty early in life. If you go do this, I'll give you a reward. Early on in life, it was boom, they were gone. Man, they were doing it. Then later in life, they go, what's the reward? Right? If you go do this, I'll give you a reward. What's the reward? Is it worth doing? <laughs> right? You've been there. Is it worth doing? It's like if my boss came to me and said, Vince, if you go do this, I'll give you a reward. I'm not going to go, yes, sir, and run off and do it. I'm going to go, wait a second, what's the reward? Is it a high five? Because I ain't doing it for a high five. <laughs> my boss likes the hug. Now, I ain't doing it for that, I promise you. Um, <laughs> a patient person is patiently obedient. God says do, and I say, yes, Lord without knowing what the ultimate reward will be, but knowing there will be a reward. And he says, I've hoped for thy salvation. Right? We talked about the, the trials of the psalmist here uh, coming through and different things have happened, but he has hoped in his salvation, the Lord's salvation, and in, in doing so, he has obeyed his commandments, patiently obedient. Number five, we see a passionate person. Verse number 167, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Uh, it's important to understand what he's saying here. I love them exceedingly. I really, really love them. It's not that I like them, it's that I love them. You understand, it's funny, I think that the, the original language is, is more descriptive than our English language is. Um, and we see it here, and they, they, they spell it out for us in English, that he loves them exceedingly, but is this a great abundance of love, this passion here. 
that is there. I've kept, uh, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. A lot of Christians like God's Word. Sadly, not a lot of Christians love God's Word. And the psalmist here, he was so dependent on what God had said and what God was saying that that's where all his hope, all his confidence lied. And he was passionate about what God had said. When those were going after him and, and beating him down and, and, and trying to damage his faith, his hope lied in God's Word because he loved God's Word exceedingly. He loved the promises that God had made. He loved the, uh, the, the history of God's goodness. He loved the hope that was there in God. Don't like God's Word. Love God's Word. Be passionate about it. And then lastly, we see the perfect person in 168. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. He could stand before God and he could say, not only do I say that I've done right, uh, everything that I've done is, is before you. You can say that I've done right. There is that great satisfaction, that fulfillment, that the life that he was living, not to say that he was without sin, but to understand that he could stand before God confident that he was obedient to God. A lot of us would be able to stand before God and say, God, man, and, and you know, 90% of, of my life, you know, I'm, man, I'm obedient. Maybe some would say 99% of my life. Maybe some would say 75% of my life. Maybe some would say 50% of my life. But a lot of times, uh, it, 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 at least in the people that I've met and in me, you can stand and you can say, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. But if I had to actually put it up there before God and say, God, show me where I'm wrong, a lot of times I wouldn't need God to show me. Um there are those throughout history who have been able to stand before God and say, God, if there is any wickedness in me, just show it to me and I'll get it right. But they couldn't find their own wickedness in a, in a good way. They, they lived a, a pure life. They lived a good life. They were so obedient to God that there were times where they didn't even realize they had sin in their life. But they still went to God and said, God, if you can show it to me, I'll, I'll get it right. Uh, John Rice, I read in a book of his once that, um, he was preaching a revival. He was an evangelist. He was preaching revival services, and, and, uh, and there just was nothing happening. And a lot of his revival meetings, there would be a lot of movement in the invitation, people being saved and people getting right with God and those kinds of things. And, and there was one where there just was nothing happening. And, uh, and he said, you know, God, I don't know why this is. Um, and he said, Lord, if it's me, if there's something that's in my life, would you just show it to me? And he said he took out a piece of paper and started writing the things that God was revealing to him. And he had to turn the paper over and keep writing. And just in his own quick glimpse of his life, he didn't see those things. Now, I don't know if we would say we'd fill up a whole piece of paper or whatever it may be, but a lot of times we're not even confident enough to go to God and say, God, I don't, I don't have any sin in my life. If I do, just show it to me. Because a lot of times we stand before God and we go, I'm pretty good. <laughs> But I got a long ways to go. We all have a long ways to go. Don't, don't get me wrong. But are we living with unconfessed sin? Can we stand before God saying, truthfully, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies. All my ways are before thee. 
He was confident in the fact that what he, the decisions that he made, the choices that he made, the attitude that he had, his heart, it was right with God. And, you know, we can wake up every morning and clean the slate. That kind of sounds bad to some degree when you say, well, I can just wake up tomorrow and clean the slate. That's not what I mean by it, but, uh, but we can live. I can't change what I did yesterday, but I can determine what I'm going to do from this moment forward. So I can say, God, forgive me for the things I did yesterday and help me to do right today. And then I can come to the end of the day and go, Lord, I've kept thy precepts and thy testimonies. And I can continue to keep, keep his precepts and testimonies until, until I sin. And then I can say, God, if I'm truly repentant, God, forgive me. And God will say, I forgive you. And then I can keep his testimonies and his precepts. So on and so forth. We can't be perfect in our whole life, but we can be perfect moving forward. But a lot of times we, we won't even try. Well, I'm human, so I'm going to make mistakes. God doesn't say, oh, you're human, so it's okay. Right? I know I use that a lot, but the reality is, is I can live today moving forward sinless with God's help. It's not easy. There's a lot of temptation in this world, but I can. And this psalmist was confident in the fact that when he stood before God on, on this day, when, when he prayed this to God, he could stand before God and say, I'm right with you. Everything that I've done is before you. You can see it. I'm right with you. Can you do that today? If you can't, uh, you've got some, some praying to do. You've got some conversation with God, God to have. Because um, you can. You, you can be at that point where you can stand before God and say, I'm living obediently to you. I'm following you. I'm doing what you desire for me to do. Um, all your ways are before him. He knows what you do. Whether you put them there or not, God knows. Uh, but I encourage you to, to live a life where you can stand boldly before God. Uh, in parentheses, perfect. Um, in, in front of Him. And, uh, and allow God to bless your life through it. One more week of Psalm 119.